Good morning, church. Merry Christmas. We're glad to start the Christmas season this morning here at Calvary Raleigh Church. And we are so excited that you have chosen to join us this morning in worship. And we're excited about diving into the brand new Advent series uh, during the month of December. Hope you'll make plans to be here each Sunday during the month. And uh, be planning to, and who are you going to invite uh, for Christmas Eve? We have, uh, Crystal mentioned earlier, we have Christmas Eve service on 1030 on that morning. And then our candlelight service that evening. Uh, these cards have been printed up. They are out at the welcome desk this morning. They're only as good as if you take them and actually put them in the hands of friends and family. So invite people to join you uh, this, uh, this Christmas season, and especially Christmas Eve. Uh, we're looking forward to what God is going to accomplish during the season. I want to introduce a couple of new members that have joined. Uh, I'm not sure if they're all in the building this morning, but I want to introduce them from our most recent Next Steps class. We have Sarah Clayton and her two sons, uh, Clayton and David. If they're in the building, I can have them stand uh, I'm not sure if they're in here this morning, but we have uh, Jamie Sargent as well as joined on a couple Sundays ago. And then we also have Victor and Victoria Jow, uh, and they are all have joined over the last uh, couple of weeks. And we want to welcome them to our church family. Let's give them a hand this morning. Let them know how much we appreciate them. And uh, that is a total of 50 uh, new members that we have had join uh, this year. In fact, we have a couple more uh, joined before the end of the year. Uh, that will be uh, one per Sunday, uh, uh, each Sunday during the year. And we're excited what God is going to do. I believe the best is yet to come. I'm so excited as we approach 2024 and what God has in store for us. I invite you to take your Bibles to the book of Romans chapter 15 this morning. Romans chapter 15. I want to thank you for joining us today. If you're joining us online, thank you for being a part of our worship service this morning. And uh, we're looking forward to beginning this brand new Advent series. How many, I wonder, have already decorated for Christmas? How many already have the Christmas decorations up? All right, do we have any Clark Griswolds in the house that have gone all out with the lights this year? Uh, all the decorations, all right. How many have already done your Christmas shopping? All right, already done that. All right, anybody want to admit you have not even started the Christmas shopping yet? Okay, all right. Uh, Amazon, here we come. Uh, but anyway, we are excited, and uh, what an awesome time of year. One thing's for certain, it can be a stressful time of year for most. If you think about it, the decorating, the shopping, the parties, the work deadlines, all right? You're trying to cram a whole bunch of work into just a few days before the end of the year. There's all kinds of deadlines. There's school projects. Uh, teachers be uh, kind. Uh, parents be kind to teachers. It's a, a tough time of year. School plays, musicals, concerts, dances, Christmas parades, play practices. It's almost impossible to cram all that in. And then you're supposed to bring food to every one of those events. All right. So just go ahead and plan on it. Uh, you're going to be cooking around the clock. And uh, how many, anybody hosting Christmas this year? Our family is hosting uh, Christmas. And uh, uh, what a fun time to have uh, family and friends gather. It's, you know, uh, that's one of the reasons that we celebrate the Advent season is, and why it's so necessary is you might ask, what is Advent? Advent is observed in Christmas, Christian denominations around the globe as a season of expectant waiting on the coming Messiah. The Jews were anticipating that the Messiah would come. Today we anticipate the second coming or the return of Jesus Christ. And we just uh, finished the series looking and living in light of Christ's return uh, during the month of November. Looking forward to... 
uh, the return, the rapture of the church, the return of Jesus Christ. And we are anticipating his second coming. The word Advent is a Latin word that means coming. And it's, it's also translated from the Greek word, uh, the word parousia, which means coming. And so in the season of Advent, we celebrate the coming king. It's time that we stop in all of the hustle and bustle and all of the, the decorating, all of the shopping, all of the parties, all of those things. And just remember and reflect why we celebrate Christmas. It's about the birth of the Savior. Jesus Christ came as a tiny babe. Folks, he didn't stay in that little manger stall. He grew up into a man. He performed miracles. He preached the gospel of the kingdom and ultimately laid down his life on the cross. Church, he died so that you and I could be saved. He died so we could have a relationship with God. And so it's time to pause in the midst of all of that and not lose sight of the true meaning of Christmas. Advent's a powerful reminder of what was, what is, and what is still to come. So the four Sundays of Advent are the four Sundays leading up to Christmas. This year it culminates on Christmas Eve as we celebrate the love of the Savior who ultimately was born to die on the cross. The tradition of Advent was started as a reminder of the anticipation of God's earlier followers, the expectation of his present followers. And 2,000 years ago, uh, they're anticipating the birth of a savior. The, the Jewish people are anticipating and there's lots of excitement in the air. Folks, but today we are celebrating and, and anticipating his second return. The Messiah would be the people's only way of salvation from sin. Their only hope of eternal life was with the God of heaven. We've looked in the last four weeks at living in light of Christ's return. And I think back over the last 2,000 years as the church of Jesus Christ is preparing for his second coming. As we are anticipating what Jesus is going to do, the season of as it reminds us of the past miracles and the present hope for that future event. Advent, uh, Advent reminds us that hope has come and hope is coming again. I would dare say today most of your houses have Christmas trees somewhere in the house. We, uh, uh, we, we've been decorating for the last several weeks and getting everything ready. And uh, I tell you, uh, it's exciting just to enjoy seeing all the lights, the, 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 the music, the, the sounds of the season. But the Christmas tree points to the hope of a coming Savior who would one day die on a tree, die on the cross. The star on the top represents the star of David in the nativity. The, the angel, if you put an angel, announces the birth of the Savior to the shepherds. All of those are signs that traditional evergreen tree is, is pointing to the hope that we have in eternal God. Every one of those things, the lights, the red and the green, represent the hope and joy that we have in the Savior. So the first Sunday of Advent is all about hope. Hope is defined to cherish a desire with anticipation. Hope is the feeling that what is wanted can be had or that events will turn out for the best. And I can assure you today, if you know Jesus Christ, we have a living hope. 
We have a hope that is beyond anything of our circumstances in this life. He's not bound to this world. We have a hope in our Savior, Jesus Christ. We have a living hope. This morning as we begin the Advent series, we begin at looking at Romans chapter 15 at the candle of hope. And I invite you to look at Romans chapter 15. If you have a copy of God's Word, it'll be on the screen as well. It says Romans 15 verse 12. Again, Isaiah says the root of Jesse will come. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles, in him will the Gentiles hope. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in what church? Hope. hope. Holy Spirit, would you speak to our hearts? God, as we begin this series on Advent, Lord, I pray that for just these next few moments, we would just set aside all of the, the, the details, the plans, the programming. God, all of the, the focus of the schedule for the month of December is, it could bring most people to tears. Just the frustration and the, and the hustle and bustle. God, would we set all those things aside? And for these next few moments, as we look at a thrill of hope, Lord, what it is to know you and have a personal relationship and the hope that's offered through a relationship with Jesus Christ. God, help us to, to look past the struggles and the circumstances and see a God who's more than able to deliver us. A God who is able to, to save to the uttermost. No matter what our circumstances, he is the deliverer, God, that will enable us to face the struggles and, and, and the, the doubts and the confusion the devil places in our path. God, help us to see a, a God of hope who loves us and has a purpose and a plan for each of our lives. God, would you use us this morning? Would you speak to our hearts? Would you transform lives? Those that do not know you as Lord and Savior, God, may today be the day that they experience that living hope. They place their faith and trust in you. For those of us that know Christ as our Savior, God, today may be that moment we've come discouraged, where we're weighted down with the burdens and cares of this life. God, help us to look to you as the living hope. God, would you speak to our hearts and encourage us and strengthen us, we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. All of God's people said, Amen. Amen. When all seems lost, church, God delivers. Do you believe that? When all seems lost, okay, I think two people said amen. Uh, when all hope seems lost, God delivers. He is a God of hope. There are times in this life that it appears all is lost. Maybe we get bad news at a doctor. We get laid off from a job. The house that we thought we would get falls through. The relationship falls apart. The promotion that we would have been holding out to get suddenly goes to someone else. You fill in the blank, whatever the issue is or the struggle is. In the context of our text this morning, though, Paul is challenging the church He's wanting to encourage them. Our hope is found in Christ. Our hope is not bound in our checkbook. It's not bound in how big our Christmas tree is, how big our, our family is. It's bound in the relationship that God offers us through his son, Jesus Christ. Paul is challenging the church. 
Here the early New Testament church here in Rome is, is struggling. And I love that when you look at God's word, he gives us clarity and he doesn't sugarcoat everything. Sometimes you look at scripture and you're like, man, it must have been so exciting to be a part of the early New Testament church. Go back to Acts chapter 2 and all of a sudden we see 3,000 people saved in and, and one service and People are being added to the church daily as, as people are being saved and lives are being transformed. But the church was not without its problems. The church had struggles. And so as Paul is challenging the church, they were struggling. The Jews looked down on the Gentiles. They, looked, they saw them as less than. They wouldn't even have a conversation. Jews would pass down the street and they would see a Gentile. They'd move over to the other side. Do you remember the story of the Good Samaritan? That's exactly what was happening. They did not have a respect or a love for one another. And so you see as the church is growing, the Jews were struggling with accepting Gentiles into membership in the church. The Jews were looking for a Messiah. Folks, most of them missed him even coming. They missed that he came. But he would come. He would bring hope for the people. So Paul is reminding us, even in, in, in the book of Ephesians, he reminded the church of their previous state of hopelessness. He said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 12, he says, Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope, and without God in the world. I love the fact that were it not for God's grace, none of us deserve the love, deserve the hope that we have in Jesus Christ. He says, so don't forget where you come from. Sometimes we can get to a certain place and we forget how far we've come. Maybe you forget the humble upbringing or the, the background. Those things are important because they are part of who we are. They help define our, our values, the things. And folks, I always tell my kids today, even, and I tell parents all the time, if you can afford to pay for everything for your kids, don't. You say, why is the pastor, I'm working harder. I want to give them a life that I never had. You're robbing them of the chance of trusting God, believing God, seeing God perform miracles. And, and so I tell our kids, we were helping them with the first two years of college. I said, after that, you're on your own. You know what it does is it, it provides some buy-in. You get some skin in the game. You start to see, hey, God is, has a plan. And, and if I trust him, I can see him perform miracles in my life. But see, he says, don't forget where you've come from. Don't forget the life that you were before you came to Christ. Uh, this verse applies to every single one of us, who, who, every single person who does not know Jesus Christ. Your life is without hope. To this morning, if you know Jesus Christ, we have hope because of the Savior. We have hope because of the relationship we have with God. God's timing, though, is always perfect. The world was in such a mess before Christ came to earth. In fact, there was a time several thousand years before that that, that, that the world got to such a bad place, God sent a giant flood that would flood the entire face of the earth. And what would happen? Noah. And his family were the only people God spared. He placed them on an ark and he spared their lives. Otherwise, you and I wouldn't be here today. I mean, but God had a plan. He had a purpose. And so otherwise, none of us would be alive. But God's plan is perfect. He always delivers. He had a plan for the redemption of mankind. In Galatians chapter 4, 
Paul tells us, but when the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. What a beautiful picture. God didn't look around and say, well, here's plan B. Or plan C, as a planner, sometimes we, we make coming up in our mind, we're like, this is plan A. Every year at Easter, when we have the Easter egg hunt out front, we're always having, the staff has a plan A, there's a plan B, and, and Lord, God forbid, there's a plan C. But you always have a backup plan. But and folks, it wasn't God's second plan. He knew that Adam and Eve would choose to eat of the forbidden fruit. And God's plan all along was to send a savior of the world. When all seemed lost for the Gentiles and the Jews, God made a way. Under the law, there was no hope. You could not possibly obey all of those laws. Hundreds of laws that you would have to follow. You could not do all. Under the law, there was no hope. The only hope was found in the Messiah who would come to be the Savior of the world. Today, there's no hope apart from a relationship with Jesus. He is the hope of the world. He offers salvation to all who receive it. Paul wanted us to know that the certain future and hope of the Gentiles is God's plan. In fact, in verse 12 of our text, it comes from Isaiah 11, verse 10. He says, in that day, the root of Jesse, who shall stand as a signal for the peoples, of him shall the nations inquire, and his resting place shall be what? Glorious. What is he saying? He says God had a plan all along. When, and when, we, when all hope seemed lost, but that's when God shows up and delivers. The moment you get to the end of your rope and you've tied a giant knot and you're just hanging on. My wife and I love to watch the, the, the show Survivor and uh, it's crazy. There's all kinds of crazy stuff that happens. And all these years later, it's the same outcome every time. But you know what? We, we watch sometimes those, those, those uh, activities and, and, and things that they're doing. They're competing in these certain things. And there's a little tiny uh, knot at the top of the rope. They, they were holding on to these handles the other day. And they got down. There was this little teeny thing you're holding on to. And it was all you could do to hold on. Sometimes you might get in your place in life where you're, you've tied a knot. You're barely hanging on. There's not much left that you have to, to trust that God has a plan. When all hope seemed lost, God shows up and delivers in ways we couldn't imagine. Isaiah compared the nation of Israel to a tree that had been chopped down, but the stump and the roots remained. From that root, the line of Jesse, the father of David, and eventually the Messiah would come. Isaiah was writing 700 years before Jesus would come to earth. All of the things that happened in that time period, every time it appeared that God would not keep his promise of the Messiah coming from the line of Jesse, did you know God delivered every single time? He provided a way. He made a way. The Jews in the church at Rome would probably be humbled to realize that their Gentile brothers and sisters in Christ had always been a part of God's plan. He'd been in the heart of God all along. And imagine the Gentile members of the church would also be humbled to understand that God had always loved them just as he had loved the Jews. 
And folks, all of them would be humbled as they realized that they had not loved one another as God had loved them. So imagine as Paul is writing this, he's challenging the church. He says, God always had a plan. He had a plan to deliver us back into a right relationship with God the Father. Folks, can I just say this morning? You cannot be a spirit-filled Christian and hold a grudge or prejudice towards anyone. You can't. You can't. You say, well, you don't know what that person's done to me, but God. You don't know, you don't know how far back we go, and, but God. You don't know what that generation has, what we faced and what we've gone through. And, and Pastor, you have no earthly idea what it's like, but God. He is rich in mercy and forgives and heals, restores, brings us back into right relationship. God loves us. So you cannot be a spirit-filled Christian and hold a grudge or a prejudice toward anyone. God's love extends to everyone, and so should ours. Christ came to save sinners, Paul said, of whom I am chief. And you know what? You, can, you and I can fill our, our name into that blank. Christ came to save sinners. David's chief. Diana's chief, Ivan's chief, John's chief, Beth's chief. What happens is as we begin to see ourselves in that light, it will, God had a plan and he chose to radically restore us into right relationship with God. He says, I am chief. We see secondly, God is the God of hope in verse 13. Well, Paul is referring here to the God as the God of hope. He says, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. Paul appears to God as the God of hope. Did you realize this is not a normal description of God found anywhere else in the New Testament? Paul is saying he begins to pray that the early church would overflow with hope. He prays that they may have joy and peace in believing so that all of the power of the Holy Spirit may abound in hope in their lives. All of this is impossible uh, apart from the work and power of the Holy Spirit. Paul wants us to recognize that God is the very author, the source, the inspiration of our hope. Everything good comes from God. In fact, salvation is a gift from God. So when Paul wants us to see, even today, that we can pray for God to grant us the hope in any circumstance that we find ourselves in. Church, it doesn't matter what your current circumstance is. God is the God of hope. As we place our faith and trust in him, he gives us hope no matter what the circumstances are. The God of hope doesn't expect us to hope as the world does. When we try harder, we strain harder, we work harder toward our goals and our own strength. So hope without God is actually baseless. He said in Ephesians 2.12 that we saw earlier, we are without hope and without God in the world. In other words, without the relationship with God, it's all vanity. It's all a waste of time. Uh, and, and folks, Solomon talks about that in Ecclesiastes. The hope that we have as a Christian is absolute certainty and an anchor that reaches 
far out into eternity that assures us that everything is under God's control. It's trusting in his sovereignty even when we don't know the outcome. You know what the character of the blessing is? He says joy and peace can be ours. Joy and peace is the result of knowing the God of hope. Joy is the active part. Peace is the passive part. Joy is a contentment in no matter the circumstances. I choose to rejoice in the goodness of God. The beautiful thing is, when we choose to rejoice, he's the one that gives us the peace. I can't tell you how many times I've stood with families who've lost a loved one and read the verse that says, the peace that surpasses all understanding, folks. He gives us peace when our circumstances are completely out of control. And we can choose to rejoice. That's what James says when he says, count it all joy. Count it all joy. All week, my wife knows I've struggled. I got sick again this week. Been sick for almost a month. And on Tuesday, I was told I had diabetes. God knew that. I looked at the doctor and said, why do I keep getting sick? I'd done some blood work a few weeks ago, and I said, can you get those, that, those blood work and let me, I want to see what's going on. And he, he came back and he said, your, your numbers are off the chart. It's been a tough week. Diabetes doesn't happen to young people. I still consider myself young. And I was sitting here, I looked at him, and I was like, I don't, I'm not 500 pounds. I, I, you know, I'm not 85 years old. I mean, what do you mean I can't ever have another sweet tea? And I mean, I'm looking forward to Christmas candy and goodies and cheesecake. And I, I've ordered Paul Carson's uh, oatmeal cream pies. I mean, they're going to be here in a couple weeks. I mean, I'm sitting here thinking, this is my favorite time of year. And the doctor's looking at me going, you have a major lifestyle change coming. Said, in fact, we're going to start shots today. All the while, writing a sermon about hope. About joy. About peace. You know what? The amazing thing is, that joy can only be had... As verse 13 says, by placing our faith and trust in Jesus. And so what happens is he begins to he reminds us the joy and peace come through believing. We must have faith in God's plan, his unseen hand. And if we don't trust him, we'll never experience the joy and peace and ultimately the hope for the future. Look at the hall of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. Faith has always been the only condition to experiencing God's blessing. Each one of the men and women listed in this uh, passage of scripture, he says if they believed God and he accounted it to them for righteousness. 
And so over and over throughout the scriptures, we see men and women who just believed God. They trusted God and he gave them the faith and the hope to trust in God. So when I look at stories of, of how all these people, that how would Moses end up in that the hall of faith? Some of the things that he did, you know what? He believed God. He trusted God. God healed him. He forgave him. He, Abraham believed God and he was counted unto him for righteousness. So folks, if you and I want to have the hope of, uh, uh, of knowing that God is in control, trusting in his sovereignty, we must Place our faith in him. We must believe him. We must trust him. Paul tells us the same thing a couple of thousand years later in, in Romans chapter 1 verse 17. He says, for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith. As is written, the righteous or the just shall live by what church? Faith. It requires faith if you want to experience the hope of a living God. It, it requires us to trust in something we cannot see and knowing that he has a plan and a purpose. Say, so what's the application, Pastor? The God of hope fills us with joy and peace as we trust in him. As we have faith in him, our church is filled with people who are all different. Uh, every Sunday this year, just about, we've seen families, people join the church and people from all different walks of life, different parts of the country. I always laugh at that. How could you have someone from West Virginia, California, New York City, and Raleigh, North Carolina, all in the same room? What do we have in common? It's a relationship with Jesus. So as God is bringing all these people together, he, will, he gives us the opportunity to trust him. He fills us with joy and peace as we experience love. And it overflows toward those around us that are different. Paul was talking to a church who was struggling with the unity of the church. He says in 1 Peter, the word of God says in 1 Peter 3.15, But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason, for the hope that is in you, yet do it with gentleness and respect. When we're living in a right relationship with the Lord and the Holy Spirit is living with us, we'll have the opportunity to share the hope of the world that is Jesus. Imagine the impact that this church and churches just like ours all over our city could have on our community, on our city, on this state, on the capital of North Carolina, on the world, if they truly see the hope that is in us. Imagine this Christmas season, this Advent season, if our lives, if we possess the hope of Jesus Christ, when you place an invite card in someone's hand that's searching for hope, that's searching for joy, that's searching for peace, and they see it in your countenance, they've seen it in your testimony, in your attitude, in your actions, imagine the difference it will make in their life when they come and experience the hope of the world. Jesus Christ is the hope of the world. Maybe you've been struggling with hope this Christmas season. Maybe you felt like somehow you've been forgotten, you've been abandoned in some way. Let me encourage you this morning 
when all hope seems lost, that's when God delivers. When all hope seems lost, that's when God shows up and does his greatest work. You're not a failure. God has not abandoned you. He has forsaken you. He has a plan and a purpose for your life. This season of Advent, as we consider all that God is, let's be reminded He is the God of hope. He loves us so much that He sent His only Son, Jesus, to bring salvation to mankind. Let's discover joy and peace this Christmas as we believe in the God of hope and trust in His plans for us. I love what verse 13 says, and I want you to leave with it on your mind and on your heart. May the God of hope Fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. This December, when everything is vying for our time, everything is snatching our attention, don't forget the God of hope who will deliver us in our time of need. And give us the gift of joy and peace for believing in him. Church, that truly is a thrill of hope. I hope you know the Lord this morning. If not, we want to talk with you. We want to encourage you. We want to show you from scripture how you can begin a personal, intimate relationship with Jesus. And experience that hope in your own heart and life. Holy Spirit, would you speak to hearts this morning?